take two. I just talked for five minutes and realized I didn't have the thing recording. So, next 20 minutes, I'm about to spit some game on you guys on what I think the ideal nutrition plan would look like for most people. And obviously, including myself, this is what I do for myself. And this is also how we structured the 21-day challenge that starts this Monday. Um, for those that are listening to this podcast right now that were on last night's call, I only had 30 minutes, so I feel like there was still so much more in-depth I could talk about kind of the why on how everything was structured. So that's kind of what I wanted to do today for today's podcast. And obviously, for those that are not doing this challenge or not even a member of Functional Lifestyles listening to this, I'm just going to give you my two cents on what I think one of the better approaches to nutrition would be um, to maintain optimal health, to be leaner and improve body composition, to sleep better, to live a long time, and really to have a very well-rounded, holistic approach to nutrition. Um, I try to approach nutrition, and this is why I've kind of spent maybe the last like five years doing more nutrition research than I have kind of exercise and everything that I do for a living as a trainer. Um, and the reason why is like when I started functional lifestyles, I was trying to find this very kind of holistic approach to like, is there a way to be strong, fast, good looking, but also feel good and avoid injuries? And that's kind of how we developed the program around FL. I'm trying to do the same thing in the nutrition space right now currently. So I'm doing this challenge selfishly to, um, see if what I'm talking about, what I'm preaching actually works for people, right? And most importantly, is it sustainable, right? And the reason why I'm doing this challenge from a client perspective is to really help you guys create awareness around what you're putting in your body. And instead of it being a restriction-based approach where we focus on what we need to reduce on calories or removing X, Y, and Z, um, I tried to make the mindset, the approach on how it was structured more of like, what am I not getting enough of normally? And these are going to be the things that we talk about on like the measurables and the goals that we have set up for ourselves daily for the next 21 days. So to kind of get into a little bit of the what first for people that have no idea what I'm talking about. So this way, the how and the why makes a lot more sense. What we're doing is we're doing a 21-day challenge. There's going to be four things that you have to do um, on the nutrition side, and there's going to be three things that you need to do on the move and exercise thing. And then you have kind of a weekly kind of recap where three things that you're grateful for and writing how your energy, digestion, and sleep is subjectively at the end of the week. Um, you're measuring progress either via in-body or body composition assessment of some sort, or you're doing like a just a front and back photo of yourself or whatever tool you want to use. Um you know, the things that were required for this challenge is having like a food scale because you are going to be weighing a lot of things for the protein intake and the fruit and veggies on the produce side. So we did it as kind of like a daily check mark. So what you're going to do is you're going to have a water goal. And when it comes to water, we shoot for, you know, half an ounce to one ounce per pound of body weight. So if I'm 200 pounds. I have to have 100 to 200 ounces a day. Um, if you're someone that's very, very active or athletic or has a lot of activity in general, obviously being towards the high end of that is going to be a great goal for you. The second thing that I have as a goal is going to be for protein. Protein, we put one gram per pound of lean body mass is the bottom, and one gram per pound of total body weight is the top end, right? Um, lean body mass is just your total body weight minus fat. So to really make numbers easier for people, it's like if I'm a 200-pound person and I have 20% body fat, for example, that would be someone that has 40 pounds of fat on their body, which means that their lean body mass would be 160 pounds and their total body weight would be 200. So their range for protein would be 160 to 200. Um, when it comes to protein, and this is why I put this obviously as a goal, and when I did like my men's physique competitions, I was doing like 1.2 to 1.5 of total body weight. So I remember my last show, I was doing almost 300 grams of protein a day. When it comes to protein, why it's so effective for weight loss and building muscle and satiety and all these things is because out of all the macronutrients, protein has the high highest thermogenic effect, meaning 
20 to 30 percent of all the calories that you take in coming from protein are actually going to be burned just through the digest digestive process second thing is the satiety level of animal foods especially when it comes to protein are a lot higher than most other foods fiber is going to be up there which is obviously why produce is part of this goal um but when we talk about building a metabolism that works well for you like i always like to think about your base of metabolic rate is kind of like passive income you know it's like if you have you know any type of investment strategies for people that maybe are doing these things like you understand that like when money makes itself and works for itself and makes you more money um it makes life a lot easier that's how we achieve like, i think like optimal you know freedom and wealth with what we're doing now i don't look at anything different when i think about kind of caloric intake like when i think about metabolism someone that's like oh you know well they're young or they have this they have a good metabolism it's like you can fix these things right and that's obviously how this challenge is structured as well you know building bmr comes from building more muscle right and building more muscle comes from having proper nourishment ideally enough protein and making sure you have weight training that actually stimulates growth simple right um simple in its process hard in its consistency of work so the protein and the lean body mass, when it comes to females, generally females can have like, you know, 10 or 15% less protein as a requirement. And really the only reason is because naturally females will probably have almost like eight to 10% more body fat, right? If you were to look at the parallels and the averages across males and females, that tends to be like anywhere from eight to 12. Naturally females will carry more body fat. And for that reason alone, you don't need to have as much protein. Generally a good goal for people when you kind of get to a good place is to shoot for a gram per pound of lean body mass. Um, you know, so like for me, I'm like 190 pounds, probably about 10% body fat. That means like 19 pounds of my weight um, is fat, which means that I'm probably like 170, 175. Like that would be a good goal for me from an animal protein perspective. Sorry, I keep saying animal protein. Um, protein perspective, which I'll touch in a second why I think animal protein is the best selection too. Um, so <clears throat> protein is definitely a big goal and it's going to be, I think from the nutritional aspect, I think that the protein will be the harder one for people to actually hit and to achieve just because they, A, have probably never tracked it or waited to realize how much protein is the goal and how much that actually takes to hit that number. Um, and then second thing is just because of the satiety level of these foods, it's harder to eat a lot. Um, my running joke when I was always telling people, like, if you were to just stick to whole foods, like, for the most part, 80% of your diet, it's really hard to screw up overeating. Like, I have never, ever, ever in my life, like, had somebody come to me and be like, man, I've just been, like, really overeating on these chicken salads lately, you know? It's like, it's like it, when people eat vegetables and, you know, lean proteins, for the example, which is obviously not something I'm saying that you should be doing only. Um, they're high in satiety, right? Which basically means that you get full from the less food, right? Quantity and volume of food might be higher, but the caloric intake might be lower. Uh, when you look at processed, refined foods, refined fats, refined sugars, packaged foods, um, you can have lower volume and higher calorie, but also the satiety signals are not going to be the same. Like you're not going to feel as satiated. Um, and that's a big thing when you look at calories in and calories out, like basic kind of approach to nutrition. Calories in is affected by the, cal the quality of your calories. And here's why. It's not that a calorie is not a calorie like calorie is just a form of like measuring energy um but when you have foods that create satiety and satiation for you you are naturally obviously going to eat less of it when you have foods that don't really satiate you and you feel like you can keep going and that's what the problem with carbs and fats for most people are especially the processed refined ones um is you naturally just overeat it's not that you can't lose weight only eating packaged foods and twinkies you can 
And a lot of people on the internet like to prove against that. And that, like, I think the argument for the people that come from like calories in, calories out model, they're always like, well, you know, the quality doesn't like it's quality shouldn't really matter. It's like, not that they're all saying that, but they're really what they're meaning is like, you can have shitty quality calories and still lose weight. But the problem with that is that process and the way that you feel the time is not going to be great. You're always going to be battling hunger to be able to maintain weight loss. So when we look at whole foods, things that come from planet Earth, things that have walked, flown, swam before or need sun and water to grow like produce, um, you know, for produce, for example, it's water, it's fiber. So it's definitely more satiating. When you think about animal proteins, not only are they more bioavailable than plant foods from a protein, protein source, um, but they're also very satiating. And depending on the type of protein that you're having, some of them could have a lot of fat content too. Having something like a ribeye or, um, like rib or a chicken breast, like you could have the same amount of protein, the same amount of ounces of food. Um, I naturally will probably eat a little bit more ribeye because of the fat, right? So being aware of the things that you're putting into your body and the satiety levels that it brings you um, are really, I think, the key to long-term success when it comes to nutrition. Um, so that's why we put a protein goal, and that's why I give everyone a range. I originally wrote it with a specific target, but I think a range is a little bit more sustainable for people, and I think it's going to be less of a stressful kind of attachment to that. So that's going to be a huge piece to why we actually put the range, but also why I'm encouraging more people to pick animal proteins as their goal. And when it comes to protein, like the one thing I will try to convince as many people as I can is be like a be bougie with the quality of the food that you put in your body. Like having grass-fed, grass-finished steaks, you know, having more ruminant animals like, you know, cattle, so cows, lamb, bison, you know, these things like their digestive system is very, very, very different than a human. Um, so they get rid of a lot of these kind of like toxic things that maybe like something like a chicken would have, right? If you don't get things like a pasture-raised chicken or poultry, um, they're going to be higher in some of these like omega-6s and other things that we want to basically kind of limit because when you look at the omega-3 to omega-6 balance, um, some of these foods, and that's like the problem with like a lot of people talking about seed oils right now is it throws off that ratio dramatically. Um, and there's a lot of research now coming out and there's a lot of people in the nutrition space talking about that. So the more we can stick and i personally come from like a very kind of hippie primal point of view with things like if it was here 100 years ago for the most part it should not be that bad for us like health has got dramatically worse in this country and the world over the last 50 years um and it's not like food like from back then if we were to stick to those type of foods that we were eating then is really different than now it's like really what's different now is like we have all this processing we have this all this agriculture we have this industrialization of food um, and that's obviously changing the quality of what we're putting in our body. So that was protein. The number three one we did was produce. I'm a big believer that like having fruits and veggies and things that come from planet Earth are most likely going to be pretty good for you versus something that comes from an industrial plant. I'd much rather eat a plant. Now, there's some people in the carnivore space and even keto space a little bit that um, talk about how plants have defense mechanisms and they don't want to be eaten. My response to that always is like, I don't think anybody wants to be fucking eaten, like, including a cow or a chicken. Like nothing wants to be eaten. So really, I think the take home for some of the things that we pick on produce that if we were to get a little nitpicky on, like someone asked me yesterday in the call, like is legumes or beans okay? Um, and the answer is yes. Like all those things when it comes to produce are definitely okay. Cooking these things correctly gets rid of a lot of these, you know, anti-nutrients, right? When you think about oxalates and phytates and lectins and all these kind of things that exist in plants that maybe can be a little bit more, I don't want to say harmful, but like, harder on your gut and harder on your digestive system. So 
I personally have kind of switched over to maybe having a little bit more fruit than I do veggies, but at the end of the day, I still like veggies, right? And I still eat veggies. Um, I think it's most important to make sure that you're picking things that work well for you, things that you crave, things that you like. Um, if you're not someone that likes fruits and veggies, like it's gonna be pretty hard, I think, to optimal like to optimal the road to optimal health would be a lot harder, I think, if you're not really having any produce and you don't enjoy it, right? Because like for me, it's just like I mean that has to be one of the foundational pieces to optimal health when we think about nutrition. Uh, we did it with a six to eight hundred gram range, right? There's a girl called E.C. Uh, Sumbaski. Some I always screw up her last name, but if you look up eight hundred gram challenge, she'll pop up. She's kind of bigger in the CrossFit space, nutritionist in that space, and that's kind of the world that she lives in. But she there was like a meta analysis that came out in 2017, and it was like a collection of like 98 things, and it was talking about like, okay, from like you know cancer and all cause mortality, and you know hypertension and all the things we think about back in health. Like, what would be the optimal amount of, like, fruits and veggies to intake, right? And it seems to be, like, the ceiling tends to be, like, 800 grams, right? So, for her challenge, what she does is she says, basically, you have to eat 800 grams a day, and you can do whatever the hell you want after that. Have as much, like, whatever you want after that, like, just do you. Um, so, that's kind of what I, I cherry-picked a little bit of hers, because for me, I wanted to figure out, like... Is there a way to like have some type of measurable metric around produce? And I didn't really like as I was on PubMed looking up like we all like if you go on PubMed and you just type in like fruits and veggies or, you know, all the correlation studies that can even pop up with it too, and any study that pops up with it, you're going to see that obviously having more vegetables and fruits is going to be ideal for health. But that being said, I didn't really know like what would be a good standard from a measurement perspective, right? Um, I didn't want to use the USDA food pyramid because that's fucking terrible. Um, like the people that still follow that, I'm sorry that the government has failed you that hard, but six to 800 seems like be like what I found was like, okay, this seems like it could be a good mean, which comes to like four to six cups a day, which is about four to six fistfuls of fruits and veggies. Um, I personally, when it comes to the summer months, I tend to eat a lot more fruit. Uh, when I get into the winter months, I tend to eat just a little less food and a little less fruit. Um, but that being said, like, I think it needs to be something year round that we still make a minimum goal is like, and that's why I put the 600 as the bottom end. And the cool thing about produce is not only is it going to bring you a lot of micro density, like nutrient density in your food. So this is where you're going to get a lot of these vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and all these things are going to be optimal for long-term health. Um, they're also full of water and they're full of fiber. The fiber is obviously going to slow down the digestive system. It's going to help your digestive system and it's going to make you feel fuller longer. The water is also going to help with hydration. It does not count towards our hydration goal, but it's just going to be bonus, right? Um, so when I look at those two things being the really the foundation to what I eat, I look at animal proteins, ideally the highest quality I can get, and I look at produce, um, and I try to get as much kind of nose to tail as I can. So I've started incorporating more like bone broth or eating more bone marrow when I go out or playing around with organ meats. I'm not really a huge fan of them yet, but I have like a, a company that I use called Force of Nature that does ground meats where it's 80% muscle meat, 20% liver and heart. Um, because the organs actually bring a lot more nutrient density than just the muscle meat alone. And having things like bone marrow or, uh, you know, nose to tail approach or bone broth or collagen protein is when you look at protein, the amino acid profile of just muscle meat is really high in like methionine. And this is where a lot of the people kind of in the vegetarian space are like, oh, you know, like meat's bad for you. And that's such a blanket statement. It's so false. Um, a lot of these like correlation studies that came out when like people were saying red meat was bad and now a lot of this stuff is coming out saying against it. 
It's correlation, meaning it's like if I'm eating a lot of hamburgers and I'm smoking and drinking and I'm unhealthy and I'm overeating, it's like you can't say that the, the ground beef was the problem, right? It's a correlation study. Um, so a lot of that stuff is coming out, and this is why I think it's really important to make sure that you take a very balanced approach and you're not overeating on anything and you're taking something that really at the end of the day makes you feel good and really optimizes your health. Um, and that's my biggest takeaway and focus for nutrition. Now, when it comes to the rest of my food, besides like coffee and I like to have red wine and some alcohol on the weekend, and then obviously like what are the carbs and healthy fats that I like to take in? So the carbs and healthy fats is kind of my next part of this conversation. When it comes to weight loss or maintenance or gaining, you need to understand that yes, now the calorie conversation does play a role because if you eat more than you burn, you will gain weight. If you eat less than you burn, you will lose weight. And that's not rocket science, right? But the lever that I like to pull when I pick these things that I'm going to add more calories in or more carbs or more fats is I really, really like to focus on things that are really A, actually going to be, if anything, healthy for me, but never going to be net negative. Um, and B, are easier to do it where I don't feel bloated. Like one thing that I um, realized when I was doing my men's physique competition, I used to do like, I think it was like five meals a day and two shakes, or maybe it was four and two. It was either six or seven total meals. It was a lot. And granted, I was like, you know, 20 pounds heavier than I was and five pounds, 8% leaner than I was now. It was like 3% for my last show. Um, but I remember it was just like, I always felt like so like physically full, but mentally hungry. I was always craving shit because I was eating only chicken breast tilapia, white rice, and like one or two ounces of greens just so I can go to the bathroom, honestly. I think that's the only reason my coach gave it to me. So I think food, when you look at nutrition, like it should nourish you. You should not really be having these cravings. You should be satiated. You should be able to go hours without having to eat all the time. Um, but the one thing I do like to play around with personally is I like to pick, like when I look at carbs, potatoes are part of this produce conversation, but potatoes and certain fruits maybe are something that I would tell people as I go on with some of these calls to maybe be aware of. Like if you are gaining weight, maybe you're choosing the wrong type of produce. Right, doing something like a lot of potatoes versus a lot of greens is gonna be different in caloric intake, right? Doing something like a lot of bananas or tropical fruit like mango and pineapple versus more berries are gonna have different caloric intake, a different glycemic index. Um, so certain fruits and veggies, even in that conversation, even though it's harder to do that, can be in the future a part of the conversation. That being said, I would say the one thing that I use is kind of uh, on, the, I would say two mainly for me, our number one is white rice. White rice is way better than brown rice from a digestive perspective. Like the brand that makes the brown rice brown, it's harder for your body to break down, which obviously helps people that overeat. Um, but from a digestive health standpoint, I personally care more about that. And that's the one thing that I probably like control as a lever. If I have a lot of activity, I have more white rice. Second thing that I like to use is more honey. Um, I'm a big believer in having local honey from the health perspective well-roundedly. Um, but also it's an easy way to take in some good carbohydrates that are going to be like, good for your body. So I always look at like rice and honey tend to be the two levers that I like to use. Um, some people like, you know, in the carnivore space, like the maple syrup has started to, uh, you know, catch some ground again. And that's another thing that I think is natural. Like for me, I try to focus on things that really are more natural at the end of the day and less processed. Um, that could be my own bias, but I also think there's, you know, plenty of research backing this up that it's not just a bias. <laughs> Um, so those are like the things in the carb aspect that I look at. And when you look at fats, like when it comes to cooking, you got to remember like the fats that you cook with, A, matter. So using things like ideally more animal fats or saturated fats like butter or ghee or lard or saved bacon fat, like they're going to be more heat stable. So a little bit safer to cook with because they don't oxidize as much at a high heat. 
um, or olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. It's high, it's high in polyphenols. And being so high in polyphenols actually allows it to be a little bit more stable with cooking as well. So I'm going to tell you guys right now. Uh, and then that third one, sorry, which is kind of the middle ground is coconut oil. I only use three. I use Kerrygold butter, grass-fed butter, or just raw butter from the farmer's market. I use extra virgin olive oil probably the most. And then I use coconut oil. And I tend to use a little bit more coconut oil in the summertime for some reason because I feel like I crave it more. But extra virgin olive oil is number one. And butter is like a very, very close second, if not number one sometimes too. So these are things that are healthy fats for the body. Um, you know, they're not really high. Like when you think about a lot of the people that are talking about canola oil and safflower oil and rapeseed oil and all this shit that's like these processed vegetable oils, they're really, really high in lin linoleic acid. And linoleic acid is basically high omega-6. Uh, ideally, we want to look at a ratio that's pretty close to balanced. And what I mean, it's not balanced. So here's what I mean by that. You should be anywhere from like a two to three ratio of like omega-6 to omega-3s, right? Um, the problem right now is Americans are averaging like a 50 to 1 ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. And that's because of the production of all these vegetable oils over the last 50 years. So really being cautious of the type of oils that you cook with and the type of oils that you top your food with um, is going to be a game changer for your health. But also you have to be careful with those things because they're easy to add calories so if i have someone that's trying to gain weight i would tell them to eat fattier cuts of meat right i would tell them to maybe have some of those starchier vegetables or tropical fruits maybe because it's going to give them a little bit more calories it's going to give them a little bit more carbohydrates i would tell them to play around with adding a little bit more white rice adding more honey or maple syrup and we're adding more extra virgin olive oil or butter or like whatever kind of fat they want to choose to cook with or top with now, the exact opposite for the people maybe they need to be a little bit more restrictive or controlling on their caloric intake, I would say having less of all those things I just said. So those are the variables that I think all are kind of always on a dynamic kind of scale of like, okay, I have a lot of activity. Cool. Some of these things can come up. Or, hey, I'm a little bit more sedentary. I'm not training as hard. I'm not moving as much. Okay, some of these things need to come down and let's just focus on leaner cuts of protein um, and more berries and more greens and just really making the majority of our diet built around that those are kind of the food selections that i would preach for everybody now the last part that i want to cover today is really like how do i structure it in a way where it's sustainable so i personally always preach meals over snacks i don't like the idea of people having snacks because yes there's some of the blood sugar conversation but i think that's less important that's one of those like high nuanced details that really you don't need to stress about um, i think it's more importantly because like when you go periods without eating your body is going into these fasting states, right? And ideally, having more time of without food or versus food, because one thing that I realized when I was eating a lot of small meals is I felt like I was always hungry because I was never eating until I was like even 80% full. It's like, eat, okay, I'm like, I'm always craving more, I'm craving more. And naturally, it makes it easier for people that are more of a grazer mentality to overeat. So I would always say focus on two to four meals a day. In the wintertime, probably more like two or three. In the summertime, maybe like three or four. Evolutionarily, I think, not I think, I know that we as humans and, and as animals and mammals, like we naturally got skinnier in the winter and we got bigger in the summer because we were preparing to hibernate. Now, that being said, with the industrialization of food, we don't have to worry about that no more, right? And it's funny because now it's actually switched. More people get bigger in the winter. And the reason why is because there's less activity because of the weather, um, more stress maybe because of due to the holidays of the year end, and then just naturally eating more because you're spending more time with family and you're drinking more, eating shittier foods. So these things have switched. But I, what I like to do is just kind of being aligned with more of what nature intended for us. I try to just have 
still meals, not snacks, but I have maybe just two big meals a day um, or maybe two and one small one. Um, that being said, I think it's really important to make sure you find something that works well for you. But from a weight loss perspective and a health perspective, I think it's great to once a week have one meal a day. One day a week, you say every Monday, I'm just going to have just a big dinner or a big lunch, whatever. Why? Because you going from Sunday night dinner to only having dinner on Monday is going to give you 24 hours of fasting. Fasting, and I always like to explain this this way, when you're sick, your body naturally doesn't crave food because fasting is where a lot of this healing can happen. So when a lot of people use the word autophagy, which is basically like cellular cleansing and waste management for your body. But I think giving your body a period without food gives, it helps really for me uh, mitigate some cravings. And kind of like, I always like to think about it, it's like, it's kind of like the reset button. I do it with deload weeks here. So for all you FL members that train here, we do a deload once a quarter. So one week a quarter, I like to go decaf. I like to do maybe a one or two day fast, um, maybe cut out something I feel like I'm maybe a little bit more dependent or addicted to. And just kind of, it just helps me push the reset button because I think that A, mentally kind of clears up a lot of things for us, but B, it gets rid of these maybe dependence and codependence that we've created. Um, so when it comes to food, here's the cool thing about fasting. Fasting is really successful for a lot of people because it literally removes a food group or, I mean, a, a meal. So it's like, hey, I'm skipping breakfast. Cool. Well, you're probably going to reduce calories by skipping a meal. So that's one of the parallels between most diets is it creates some level of caloric restriction. And I think obviously there's a lot of health benefits outside of that as well. Um, most of the health and longevity benefits that people talk about come from just being in a restriction. So figuring out a system for yourself where it actually allows you to stay in something like that um, I think is going to be the end-all be-all when it comes to that. So having these periods where you go, hey, maybe once a week I'm going to do an OMAD or maybe once a quarter I'm going to do a one- or two-day fast. Um, you know, I have uh, – we had a client here, Anthony, along probably a couple years ago. Bigger guy. He was heavier set. He had a lot to lose, but he was doing an alternate-day fast. And this guy lost probably the most weight since FL has been open. It was crazy amounts. And, you know, I always tell people, like, fasting is really, really beneficial and it's really, really effective – the only thing that scares me about it is because a lot of people overdo it sometimes. So I always like, and that was something I was telling Anthony, is just make sure we have an extra strategy. As we get closer to this weight that we're maybe getting, you know, as more of a goal set out for yourself, that's where we need to cut it out. Um, I think my camera just shut off and I was almost pretty much done anyway, so I'll wrap this up here. But that's kind of like a nutshell of what we're doing. The last little part that I wanted to leave you with is the movement and exercise piece, which is understanding that... 45 minutes of outdoor activity is the goal daily for this challenge. I think movement always needs to be more important than exercise because it's parasympathetic. It's going to allow you to get into this rest and digest state, and it's also going to be a little bit more effective for fat burning because those happen at lower levels of aerobic activity, not at anaerobic zone 3, 4, 5. Second thing is 15 minutes of mobility, ideally before bed. This is going to help you guys relax. This is create, once again, more of a parasympathetic state for you to go into bed to hopefully get into deeper stages of sleep and have more effective, deep quality stages of that. And then the last one is having four workouts a week, ideally minimum being three days of that strength training. When it comes to weight loss, when it comes to tone, when it comes to looking really good, um, doing cardio only or doing something like orange theory and berries where it's more, you know, really high intense stuff without a lot of strength training you're not building the tone in the body like we want to look a certain way you got to sculpt it the way you want to and weight training does that better than anything else that being said i think some type of high intensity interval training or maybe some higher longer runs or bike rides or things like that having that once or twice a week definitely a minimum for people should be a good thing to do and that's different than your movement stuff right
Alright guys, well I just want to wrap it up there. I hope everyone takes away a lot of stuff from this podcast. If you are doing this challenge, I'm looking forward to doing this with you guys starting in two days. Um, if you're not doing this challenge, maybe you can listen to this podcast and take a couple things home and apply it to your life. And if anybody needs to hear this because everybody needs a little bit of nutrition tip, share it with people, like it, review it, help us build this podcast. I'm really trying to push this tempo a little bit more, um, especially moving into the new year. I've really kind of make shifted a focus into the content being the main driver of what I do here. All right, guys, take care. Have a good weekend.